Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or visit their website at greyhoundpp.com.au. We hope that you enjoy this episode and thanks to everyone for your support in promoting our wonderful industry. This is probably the most obvious question in the world, but how often do you get mistaken for Mark Latham, the politician? <laughs> um, events quite regularly. Um, <laughs> the first one I can think of was at the garden three or four years ago. Um, it was one of the blacktop functions and they decided to sit me with Sonia Hornery and had little names on the table. And <laughs> Well, we... Turned up and sat down, sat on my seat, friend sat down across from me. Yep. Um, and the people at the table started saying, hey, that's for Mark Latham, you really need to move. I'm like, no, I'll move when they get here, I'll move when they get here. <laughs> um, so the people at the table were just getting ruder and ruder. Sonia Hornery was lovely the whole time. <laughs> Didn't say a thing, she was nice, she was chatting to us. Oh, and then wow. it went on and then this guy stood up and was like, look... Mark Latham is going to be any minute you need to get up. I'm like, okay. So I stood up, shook the guy's hand, said, hey, my name's Mark Latham, pleased to meet you. <laughs> and the whole table kind of wasn't a fan anymore. And Sonia's kind of just laughing and giggling and said that um, there's no way in the world that they'd sit us next to one another. So I knew this was a stitcher. <laughs> um, Sonia's just lovely. Um, so that was the first time I got confused gold I wrote someone in Greyhound Data something once and then all these people the next time I went in Greyhound Data on the forum um, I had like 20 inboxes from people telling me their stories and what they need changed and all supporting them like yeah I'll have a bit of fun with this (laughs) (laughs) oh dear no funny stuff oh Anyway, on to, um, you know, for people who obviously um, know that you're not the politician, what is your involvement in the sport of grain raising? Okay, so I don't actually know what I am. Um, <laughs> I basically got involved because I couldn't afford horses and I always had an interest in dogs. Yeah, likewise. Um, <laughs> dogs are an avenue where you can get involved with a minimal outlay. Yes. Um, so the first time... Yeah, that's the reason I got involved. I always enjoyed going to the dogs, but it was how do we start off? Yep. How do we get involved? Um, and there's no real pathway. And like I've been involved in the sport now for six years, and that pathway is definitely not as even as clear as what it used to be. Yep. Yep. Oh, look, it's it's a conversation I have with, with many people, um, you know, and especially, like, when the big races roll around, like this time of year when you've just had the Melbourne Cup, you've got the Phoenix coming up, MDC, all the rest of it. I get a, a flurry of people messaging me going, you know, you probably can attest to this as being the same. Oh, how do I get involved, you know? Can you help me find a trainer? You know, can you help me buy a pup and that sort of thing? And once you explain the whole process to them, they're like, "Oh, that's that's really hard." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, it is. It's not as easy as what um what it seems to be." I think. Well, it's not simple. Like my first involvement is where we looked online, googled syndicates, really didn't find much. 
didn't find anything. Um, we found a few syndicates out there and a group of guys, We I think we saved like three and a half grand between us, um, tried to buy a 15% share in a pup that was ready to race by Brett Lee, it was going to be the next champion, broke in super, it was going to be something special. Yep. Well, that's what the ad said. Yep. As naive as what we were. Um, <laughs> It was a pup by G- DJ Octane. Um, we did research, actually went to the track and asked people, and nobody really wanted to help. Didn't really get the answers I wanted. Um, so next minute I rang, I think it was Alan Harris at GBOTA, and said, hey, can you put me under someone who has an idea of what to do or how to get involved or, like, suss out this dog? I've got these break-in times. What do they mean? Like, is it a good dog or a bad dog? Um... From there, I think they gave me the number of Mark Gatt, spoke to him for a little bit, and was like, oh, I've got no idea about Victorian breaking times. I'll get back to you. Mark, good luck. Within a week, bring me back. I was actually surprised to bring me back and said, hey, um, that dog's not even like those times, a country class, like tier three country, not competitive, um, don't get involved. So we didn't. Yep. Um, we were going to spend $2,400 and buy 15% of that dog. Yep. We did more research and we actually found that that dog was actually in line to be put into Victorian Gap, so we were kind of getting rotted. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, that syndicate is not around anymore. I won't name names, but yep. there's some legal thing against them as well, so yep. touch wood, they're not around anymore. Yep. Um, we end up just going on granddata, buying a dog went back to Alan Harris and said, hey, can you find me a local trainer? Um, like a couple of days later, she gave me a list. And that list had a few names on it. I rung them and no, I don't do it publicly. I don't know you. Go away. Don't answer the call. Um, like, well, this is great. Yep. Great start. Um, then we found a young trainer in Goulburn named Jake White who took on Lily LaRue, who was our first dog. Yep. And, oh, we had big success. I think we run three races out of 40. Um, and then we got addicted for some reason. <laughs> but like, our first race star was Adapto, and um, she drew the one, and she fell on the first bend. I, I don't know why we got addicted. Oh, God. It was torture. Yep, yep. Yeah, right. But that story is just one of many that I've been told about people that just... You know, and and it's hard for me, like, you know, it's hard for me too when people say, oh, you know, um, can you show me where to buy a pup? Which obviously, you know, there's a few avenues out there. The Facebook restrictions on selling animals makes it extremely difficult now as well. It's I don't think it's as easy as what it used to be. But, you know, I sort of try and point them in the right direction. But, you know, when I sit there and I Google horse racing or horse racing syndicates or whatever, yeah, there's a million horse racing syndicates. You know, pretty much every sort of major slash provincial trainer's got their own website. And understand there's more, you know, prize money and, and that sort of thing involved. So the trainers can obviously do that. But it's just, it's such a struggle. And I just feel so sorry for anybody who has no connection to the industry whatsoever and wants to get involved. They must just be thinking, I'm just going around in circles here. What is it? Circle? Um... Someone gave me this advice very early on, and that was um, greyhound folks will eat their young. Um, so if you're young, inexperienced, and don't know what you're doing, they will take your money. 
Um, we got burnt so many times early on, and then we actually met other people who were decent and honest and yep. literally wanted to work with you. Hey, I know a guy with this dog. It's going all right. Um, five grand for it. Do you want to buy it? Sweet. Yep. Win a couple of races with it. Um, like Everyone always says, hey, let's sell a city-class dog or advertise their dog being a champion or city-class dog and it's going to win city races because it's run it the meadows on a wednesday and ran 30 and 50 yeah like yeah you might pinch a race but you're not going to win consistently and like like people involved in the industry really need to say hey let's get together and promote the sport trainers who are at the track say if someone new comes up to them talk to them i know they're busy yeah I've tried at times I've walked up to trainers and asked random questions and I understand they're busy um, and they've got stuff to do. Happy to buy them beers, happy to drink lots of them with them. <laughs> Probably why I have the group of trainers I have. We all seem alcoholics. So. <laughs> oh, Graham Mason will do that to you. <laughs> yeah. Someone needs to clean into the drink, that's for sure. <laughs> So just touching on that, so like like you were saying that you got burnt that early on. So for anybody that is very new to the sport and you know not quite sure what they're doing, you know, do you have any advice for them as to who they should go to or what their first initial step should be if they, you know, regardless of whether they want to, you know, because a lot of people now want to become trainers, you know, they want to become owners, a bit of both. Like, do you have any advice for those newbies? <sighs> as fast as you oh, can oh no i'm joking i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> so basically best advice i can do is make yourself known go to the track meet people yep don't just pull up one time and say hey listen like i, I go to tra- tracks all the time yep um in yep. fact some of the staff around here in newcastle garden say i should get a job there because i'm there more than them yep <laughs> and you can attest to that because you're always there too yep yep um, it's, it's getting involved in the sport and where do you start? Um, for me, in the six years we've grown from buying one girl in November five years ago, named Swifection, racing her, and now we've, we've bred from her, like we've got pups from her first litter, so we've carried that on. Yep. The guys who, who were involved in that first dog five years ago, um... Are still around today. Yep. Um, like, I think right now we've got 26 race dogs and 23 pups. Oh, wow. Which, um, only two or three of them are dogs we've bought. The rest we've bred from dogs we've raced. So keeping that legacy on. Yep. Um, they've either won 40 or 50 grand or won city class races or they were just super speedy quick dogs. Yep. Yep. Uh, but getting involved originally, um, you can go to your governing bodies and ask, hey, how do I get involved? Um, I don't think it's the best avenue. Yep. It's just getting involved. Like, I've, I have my Facebook groups, 3,000 people in one and 700 in the city come on. Yep. Constantly posting, hey, if you want to get involved, message me, I'll help you out. Yep. Um, over the last two and a half years, I've... Literally, not from it, nothing like that. Literally, 
when people message me say, hey, how can I get involved? From there, I have bought the dog. Um, the first one was a dog up in Newcastle um, called Rio Dixie. Um, and basically, it was a tried dog out of Melbourne. Yep. I think she went to the gardens and won five or six races up here. Um, the guys love her, and the guy who originally started it, um, for those group of guys, is now sitting on his lounge. Um, <laughs> so from box to his bed, that's yep. kind of where it's gone. <laughs> There's your next syndicate name, from box to bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure you could actually approve that one either. <laughs> oh, you never know. I've seen some interesting ones, so. <laughs> yeah. But as long as it goes over their head, that's all that really matters. Um, um but that dog's first win, if you were at the gardens, I've never heard a crowd of 20 or 30 people make more noise. <laughs> like, it was electric. I think pretty sure Dan Russ was calling. He said after the race, like, it, the, the grandstand shook. <laughs> um, it wasn't all the guys falling over drunk either. Yep. They literally, yep. and when they had the photo after the race and Steve took it. Yep. You could never have seen 20 more guys with a bigger smile on their face. Yep. These were guys who had a horse, um, had it for about three years, paid fees after fees, never seen their horse win. Yep. And I'm pretty sure Rio Dixie won a second start for them. Yeah, nice. Nice. Um, these guys now um, in Melbourne have a lead Alex. They help them get involved. And a lot of people I've seen get involved are people who are involved in horses. Yep. Very true. Uh, yep. Yep. It's amazing how many people I speak to that have, you know, either completely transitioned over to the dog racing industry and that can be owners or trainers, a bit of both, um, or people who have dabbled into greyhounds and they're like, I'm just addicted now. Well, uh, the water maze we once remember going to Maitland and there was a dog called Fernando Hunter running. Yep. Brenton. And there was a guy there and I'm like, guy looks like a jockey. <laughs> He's the size of a jockey. He literally looks like a jockey. <laughs> Um, and the dog won, and I think it ran sub-25 at Maitland, which is a flying time for a maiden, and I've seen him jump up and how much excitement was in his face, I'm like, who is that guy? And everyone's jumping around and saying, oh, it's Brendan about to have dollar. I'm like, I knew he looked like a jockey. <laughs> um, just the excitement in his face. Yeah. Um, I know Lennigan's got a few of the jockeys involved in Melbourne. Um, like, it's, it's crazy. Like, people who are horse people who have dogs. Yep. In West Australia, you've got Trump's man, Cody Charles, um, who is a massive breeder of Trump's, and he's a special dog trainer. Yep. And he goes quite well over there. Yeah, he um, does. Yep. Like, getting involved, the sport needs either to get together as a governing body Australia-wide and say, hey, we're going to do a task force, we're really going to drive this and push this. Um, governing bodies have tried to do something. Seeing down a few years ago around the national draft. Yep, I really liked that, and I've spoken to George on a couple of occasions. I thought it was a great idea. Um, they basically got 10, well, if people don't know, they basically got 10 top trainers, all six trainers and four personalities, so RSN, um, Team Legosioni, Team Terry. Ray Border. Ray Border, uh, which I thought was great. Um, the first draft, I actually bought a share in it. Um, 
it was $2,550 for, uh, I think it was 3% in three pups. They did all right. Um, there's definitely things that could have improved. Yeah. Um, but they tried. Yeah. I think Untapped Adelaide, came out of that, didn't you? Didn't out you? of the second series? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, that's trying. Like, it, it's continuing with that. Like, it's momentum. If anyone ever tried to be in the sport again, you're going to have less chances being in the sport if you have people involved. Yeah. People have experienced. People have gotten trackside. Yeah. Yep. Um, like a few weeks ago, I went to Mayland and there was about 150 people there and I've never, ever seen a crowd like that there. Yeah. Um, and they were there for a 50th birthday. Yeah. Like, I don't think that till of the bar taking has ever seen the volume of drinking <laughs> these guys did. <laughs> Um, and I was talking to him like, oh, we didn't think ground racing was so great or exciting or so quick or like, um, there's another old guy who's like, oh, I think I want one as a pet. And that's me. My eyes kind of instantly lit up. I was like, I know people who dogs drink home. I'll chat to you. I'll chat to you. But it didn't work. Yep. He didn't want a pet. But hopefully he will. Yeah. Um, like to get involved, there's syndicates out there. Um... Or maybe not as public as what they used to be. Yep. Um, like, it really needs to be a national thing where West Australia get together, South Australia, Victoria, Tassie, yep. Queensland, all get together, put all the politics aside and say, hey, we're going to nationally push something. Um, and while I'm all, all a fan of having them with leading trainers, the push to whoever get to train those dogs really has to be social media, email savvy, and just happy to push involvement, social media content, photos and videos and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, because that owners love it, especially if they're getting involved in pups. Um, pups are boring. <laughs> they run in the yard. Like if you see photos of them, they run in the yard. And that's all they do is run in the yard. Yeah. But if you can show a video of it playing in the water or running around or jumping around or playing with a toy, do it every yeah. Do it every three or four weeks. You're you're engaging them to stay interested. Yeah. Um, I was in the national draft. I had dogs. It really didn't phase me. But the person I went halves in it with, at the end of it, was just like, eh, this is not for me. Why? The dogs have won like 12, 13 races between them. He's just like, but. The horses, I get, I get a video every month. I get an audio message every couple of weeks saying, hey, the dog horse is going well, it's eating well. It's always well. It's never bad news. <laughs> uh, it's always the jockey's fault or the track's fault when they lose as well. Um, which is the opposite of dogs. You have to dog train away his dog lost it's bad box or unlucky or yep. next time. Yep. Um, but in horses, it's always so positive because you're paying a weekly fee. <laughs> Um, yeah. Trainers are smart. They are. Yeah. Um, in dogs, typically you're not paying a weekly fee. That's why most people are involved. That is why I got involved. Yeah. yeah. Um, reason being is you can buy a dog for five grand or ten grand. Yeah. Um, keep it racing. The trainer will take half the prize money in lieu of training fees. Yeah. You may have to pay for spelling or when it injures yourself or your vet bills, but you week to week. Costs are covered, so it's a one-off cost, which is manageable for people, or if they get their tax. Yeah, that's, that's right. why you're in a dog. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely. Oh well, I presume most um owner trainers are under that sort of arrangement. But yeah, it's um, it's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good arrangement. So when you're looking to buy a pup or or you know an established race dog or whatever, just to give people a you know a bit of an insight because I know people are always asking me, oh, what should I look for? Um, you know, is there you know particular breeding or something I should be looking at? What do you look for? Uh, well. From a buying perspective, um, box speed and box manners is definitely a problem. or like it, something we look for. Because um, yeah. if you're in front, you're on the bunny. There's, there's a good chance you're going to pinch a race or two yeah. if you're quick. Um, but if you're slow early, hey, you might run them like a freight train. But when you go to dodge around seven other dogs, um, which are unpredictable. Um, it, it really bashes the dog's confidence around once it's been hit a few times, especially when they're young. Yeah. Um, so box speed is definitely an important thing. Um, for splits, knowing grading of the dogs, um, having reputable trainers you can rely on to say, hey, and try to get the best out of them. Um, yeah. We have a lot of dogs in Western Australia, and most of the dogs over there will run 400 meters or less um a lot of the dogs are only running over 300 to 275 and the three over two um because we bought them out of victoria and the options in victoria minimal um i know this like you got hillsville it runs over 300 meters um you got tarragon which is 350 and some trainers just don't want to go there but even though it's a number of 300 metres and 350 metres, but the length of those straights, if you don't have a strong dog, you're not going to win at them. Yeah. 300 metres at Hillsville is like running 400 metres on any other track. Yeah. Um, and 400 metres gives strong dogs time to wind up. I mean, while bends and straights and around circle tracks don't always accommodate dogs that are strong, that just need room to wind up. Yeah. Um, so definitely speed is a thing. For a split, um, very important. Um, obvious reason what I just said, if you're in yeah. front. Um, breeding's definitely a factor in my mind. Um, but it's very few dogs which aren't bred in the purple. They're not like, they're not backyard breeding a random dog that they trained 20 years ago. They're all by Fernando or Barsha or Austin Allen or Feral Frankie or Good Odds Arata or Magic Sprite or any of those. Yeah. Like um, Zambora Brocky. They're all, the, far, the size are generally always going to be champions. Yeah. Um, and I said, oh, look how good the dad is. Mate, I'd be happy with a dog at a hundredth the time of most of the dads. Like, <laughs> Like, I know Fernando won a million dollars. I'd be happy if a dog won 10 grand. Yeah, yeah. It's that winning feeling. Yeah. Um, I've seen you on the track, jumping up and down and screaming like crazy when your dog's in front of the wings. Oh, that's not me. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm so calm. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> I don't not care about like that. <laughs> Look away, everybody. Debbie's going crap again. <laughs> Oh dear! Well, nobody's had to put up with me for a while because I haven't I haven't won very much. But yeah, I, I know the feeling. Soon. I know the feeling. <laughs> hopefully, it turns around soon. Yeah. Well, um, it's just having the team behind you. So for myself, um, I met friends along the way. Um, yeah. Some are local and some are in the state through this, and now like we see a dog, it's ten grand, we go buy it. 
and we race it somewhere. Yeah. Find somewhere suitable, but it has literally taken five or six years to build that network of trust that um, I, I can say how many horror stories is so funny we've yeah. been through and the, like yeah. spending 20 grand on a dog and it had a broken hawk um, yeah. and there was no you asked for help from a, from people and you just bad luck mate bad yeah. luck should have got vetted yeah yeah um, but Thankfully, people like that don't last in the industry long. No, and I think that's a really good point, what you made before about people, if they want to genuinely uh, make a go of it, take the time to go to the track, take the time if you're far away, interact with trainers, owners, breeders on social media. Don't just rock up at the track and hope to get involved and, um, you know, get a, a great dog straight up and then just disown everyone else. Like, because it is such a close, you know... It, it's, it's, it is a close-knit industry. I know sort of, you know, we see the, the bickering and that sort of thing go on, but genuinely everyone supports everyone. And when somebody comes in from the outside and just wants to, you know, I don't know, do you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, just get the good dog straight away and, um, you know, be better than everyone else or something like that. Like, it, it just doesn't sit very well with people. Like, you've got to actually show that you care about the sport. You don't, you're not just in it for the cash or something. Like, you know, does that make sense? Well, it does. Um, but, like, you, you can say, hey, I want to make a million dollars out of greyhound racing, but you're starting off with $100 million and losing $99 million to make that now. Yeah. Like, yep. literally, like, prize money, it's great. It's on a boom, um, which is great, but that's proportional to everything else out there. Like feeding a dog is getting dearer, petrol's getting dearer, trialing's getting dearer. Yeah. Um, like trainers, they drive to from say Newcastle to Buddy Goulburn. It's yeah. cost them one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks in petrol to go back and forth. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes, they get money for attending. Is it enough? I don't think it is. Yeah. Fourth prize money definitely helps. Um, That's helping. Like, we can't all have fast dogs. Uh, I'm just thankful to the trainers we have who are loyal, who, hey, they'll they'll ride out the tide. Yep. Yep. Um, Where we lost lost 10 races in a row. Um, Like, I was amazed. This was three months ago. We actually had a dog win at Gosford, and it was a little bit out of form, but his form was driven off. Bad boxes. He kept drawing box seven, box eight, box six, box seven, box eight, and finally got a run at Gosford. Drew box three and won at thirty-four to one. Um, I'm not going to name the trainer's name, but um, the multi he had on that day, I think, he collected one hundred forty thousand dollars. Oh, oh my um, god! Wow. Like I was there with. 200 bucks on it, 34 to 1, 34s, 31s, 26s, and when the trainer's coming back, the massivest grin on his face. <laughs> oh, wow, um, yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty happy, but... <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah, the um, tab didn't know it hit it that day. Um, and oh I think we went to the gardens God. the following Wednesday and the same tab operators were there like, please don't do that again. <laughs> like, it wasn't their money. They were so proud and happy that we 
collected and, uh, yeah. and there's a lot of trainers who have had massive plunges but yeah to see a trainer that's 27 year old win that money and straight away the next day he's like um buying a brand new Hilux I'm like yeah I'm happy with my eight thousand dollars but it's not 140,000. That's insane. Wow. Um, Amazing. But that dog had actually made the semis in the million dollar chase. He just had a run of bad boxes, which didn't help. Yep. Um, yep. And that's another thing. You can help dogs just to change. Um, yep. Or even just drawing a decent box can help. A bit of confidence. Yep. Yep. And they're um, all sort of, I think that comes back to what you were saying about if you're looking to buy a dog that's racing, there's sort of some really good key points that people should be looking at. Have a look, has the dog had bad draws? Um, you know, is the dog being trained in a big kennel? Maybe they'd suit a smaller kennel or vice versa. Are they in a smaller kennel? Maybe they might suit a bigger kennel. Like, you know, little nuances like that can, you know, I, God, I could name you 50 dogs that you know where that's happened and they've just come out of their skin yep so that little bit of attention um like we had a dog in western australia um napoleon dynamo um where after 15 starts hadn't won hadn't won his maiden hadn't looked suitable um we basically changed him from one trainer to pete brown um and then the second start, he won for us from box six at like 13, 14 to one. He's won three or four races since. Um, 15, 16 grand in prize money. Yeah. And it was just that change and yep. just a change of trainer. Yep. yep. And no disrespect to the previous trainer. He is good at what he does, but they all have different routines, have different feeds. Yep. Um, and then I said, Pete, how'd you do it? And he's like, oh, well, I, start, I went out the back and I started throwing a tennis ball with him. Yep. Um, like he he broke in really well. Like the breaker over there is like, yeah, you're gonna have fun with him, and yeah, he just got bashed around and knocked around. Um, something I'd really like to see in the sport is preferential box draws. Um, Don't get me started. <laughs> oh, this podcast will go for another hour. Look, just to set the record straight, you know, and people will say to me, oh, you know, I said, look, I'm not for one minute saying that the box drawer is rigged or anyone's manipulating it. I said, I've never, ever stated that. I said, the simple fact is, you know, you can pick, and I'm just talking from a New South Wales perspective. I know a few other states use the, the Chase system as well. If you pick out any meeting, you can just randomly pick out a handful of dogs and nine times out of ten, at least, probably, say you pick five dogs, four of those dogs will have some sort of pattern um, or continuous sequence of box draw or something like that. And when you start keeping data of that, the results are just baffling. And I think, you know, to keep people engaged, to attract new people to the sport and, you know, to stop, you know, dogs getting injured, to stop all these marring charges that I'm seeing coming up um, in George reports and that sort of thing, you know, sometimes you can correlate them with the box draws, but I, I think they just, you know, there may not be another option out there, but I think at least it needs to be explored because it's just... Yeah, it's just becoming laughable. People are sending me things where dogs are drawing. Say, for example, someone sent me something the other week. The dog drew box six. 
uh, sorry, box five for the sixth week in a row. And I said, that is impossible. It is mathematically impossible that that's, that could happen. Oh, it's improbable it happens. It's so, just, yeah. So that's, um, that's all I'm, I'm trying to say. And people get the shits and then people throw their hands up and walk away and don't want to be involved in the sport anymore. And it's like, yeah. For people who don't know the dogs, like, they're like us. They're a confidence-driven animal. Like, they don't like getting bashed around. They don't want to get hurt. They, they don't want to run into a brick wall. Yeah. Like, you're not going to run into a brick wall multiple times because the body hurts. So why <laughs> should a dog be any different? Yeah. Yeah. Um, some dogs just have that luck. Um, like, I think Zipping Kansas, they had a run of box sixes. Yeah. Um, but it was a pattern it... too. Like if, it, like for example, because obviously he's one of my favourite dogs, I keep a close eye on him. It was a pattern. I think it was like seven six seven six seven six like that. And you're like, there is something wrong with the system. With the you know, I've only studied a little bit of computer science, but I'm like, I don't think it takes a you know a computer science major to know that. You know, some there's some issue there, and yeah, it's oh, oh, there is something there, and I think the best way to overcome that is much like the New Zealand system that they're actually doing right now, um, where you'll see on the end of their races PB uh, preferential box or PBD. So, can you just where, explain for anyone that doesn't know what that actually means? So, basically, if you have a dog that is keen for the rail, yep, you can nominate your dog as a railer. Yep. If you have a dog that runs straight from the boxes and suits a middle draw, like four, five, six, mm-hmm. your dog is allocated boxes four, five, six. If your dog's a wide runner, then you'll draw box seven and eight consistently. Um, it's very much like the UK system, but it works. Like, yeah, I, I, I put some stuff to a couple of the governing bodies and everyone ignored me, which is fine. Um, it was like 30 or 40 pages of looking at the New Zealand dog racing yeah, and how their system was working and a few of the bigger punters I know said, oh, yeah, it'd be stupid to be bad if they bring that in. I'm like, you from a punish perspective, if you've got a dog that's mad for the rail, drawn box eight and it's favourite, <laughs> there's a good chance it's not going to get across or that dog in box one is going to get a dream run through, et cetera, et cetera, from their way of looking at punching. Um, but from a welfare point of view, yeah, um, I, I really think it's a no-brainer. Like if your dog's keen for the rail, have a go to the rail. There's nothing worse than you draw, say, box four. Um, the dog in box four's keen for box one, yep. and the dog in box two's keen for box eight, and your poor little girl at 22 kilos is in box three and it's going to get squished. Yep. Um, meanwhile... If the box dog in box two preferred to be out wide and nominated for out wide, it drew out wide. It's not going to cause any harm. The dog inside it, number seven, is going to go wide as well. Yep. They're going to go out together or the ones in the middle are going to go straight. Yep. Um, Steward reports are becoming simpler and simpler, but looking at the ones in New Zealand, um, they're short and they'll say such and such was quick to begin. Yep. Next race, such and such was quick to begin, such and such was quick to begin. Wasn't such and such bumped or hit or hit shortly after the start. Um, like, 
New Zealand is behind in so many ways, but they're ahead there. Like, it's prolonging dogs' careers. Yep. Um, there's a gold star dog. I can't think of his name. There's millions of them. Um, <laughs> but it had a runabout. like it hadn't won a race in 70 starts. Um, but its box draws were much like Zipping Kansas's, where it kept drawing 6, 7, 8, 5, 6, 7, 8, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Drew box 2, won at some stupid... Uh, 130, 140 to 1, and then it won in the next five races yeah. after that. Yep. This dog was keen for the rail, and, like, what do you do? Like, yep. it's the welfare of the dog and keeping that dog on the track. What, um, um, what happens if, say, for example, I don't know, say six out of the eight dogs that nominate, people nominate, Inside, like one, two, or three. How how does that work? Because obviously, you can't give everybody. To my understanding, there's multiple races on a card over there. They seem to have lots of two ninety seven meter races and three seventy fives. Uh, I can't tell you one hundred percent how the grading system works. I know class one, class two, class three. I'm assuming it's much like ours, but they work up in numbers. Men will we work down in grades, but they might have five grade five races on. Yeah. And I'm sure between that mixture, they can find enough railing dogs and, yeah. Um, but looking at their stewards reports, it's very clean racing. Um, and that's what we need. Like, you, you spend, you buy your first dog, you pup, you rear it, get it broken in, it mates the track. It's literally cost you thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 to get it to the track. And... In your maiden, you draw a box five and you get skilled in polax and that dog doesn't want to run anymore. That's a young dog. Yep. Um, it's an education thing. Yeah. Yep. Like, much like a running in the brick wall like we talked about before, that young dog is going to say, hey, screw this, I'm not going to jump any well anymore because I'm going to get bashed. Yep. Yep. Um, mightn't happen so much with dogs, but definitely, um, like everything, like women, they always, they never seem to forget when you do things wrong. Pardon? Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I guess when female dogs tend to fall, they, they tend to take a little bit longer to get to the track yep. than some of the dogs. Yep. Um, it's even just saying males and dogs are dumb and females are smarter, but I, I don't know. Yep. I, th I think it would be great to at least trial it. Like, you know, yes. Even just to trial something like that and see, you know... Yeah, just for a trial period, see how it goes, see if people like it, see if it does make a difference to, you know, the injury rates and, you know, the, the amount of, you know, possibly um, marring tickets and that that are resulting from, you know, dogs, um, you know, drawing repeated, you know, awkward boxes or boxes that, you know, don't really suit them and that sort of thing. And, you know, I think it's, it's least, at least worth having a crack. Um, well, not even throwing in the deep end. Put in the maidens. Give it just a maiden dogs, yeah. just a confidence or yep. if the great new grading system in New South Wales comes in where they're going to have a juvenile rate or remed whenever it comes in yep. um, juvenile so for younger dogs races so they're racing against dogs of their own age yep. prolonging their careers yep. um, we had a dog that brilliant beginner and then started running around in that brick wall and got cut out got cut out got cut out cut out now it doesn't want to chase, does yeah. not want to go around a dog, does not want to go near a dog, and um, like we, we 
were offered actually a large sum of money to sell her at a second start because I'm like, no way, no, no, we're not going to sell it. Yeah. But her confidence is that shattered. Like she trials incredibly quick times, and I, I mean, time's insane. But you put another dog with her, and she won't go around it, won't go underneath it, won't go around it, won't, won't even try. Yeah. Goes around for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go around by itself, and it, it flies around. Yeah. Our confidence is key to this. Um, yeah. Much like running a brick wall. Yeah. You're only going to do it so many times before you say, hey, I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. No, totally agree. Um, now, you're also a punter slash tip star. How do we back more winners? Uh, <laughs> how do you back more winners? So... <laughs> Definitely like the preferential box draw. That would definitely help. <laughs> um, okay, aside from that, how do we back? So, if, you know, because obviously, like, you know, I, I read articles all the time about, you know, how incredibly high our, our turnover and um, betting turnover and that sort of thing is, which is great, which is obviously, you know, people are, are punting on the dogs more. But, you know, if somebody's at the pub or, or picking up a form guide or whatever, what should they be looking for if they are trying to back the winner? Like, Definitely um, factors in play. Have they been to the track? Um, have they raced there before? Yes, dogs trial at tracks, um, but you and I, the average punter, is never going to know that. Yeah. Um, so you really have to go over the tried, tried and tested thing of, hey, where's the trainer live? If he lives in Buddy Wagga, there's a good chance that um, he's never going to trial his dogs at Wentworth Park. Yep. Um... The lead dog who's in the Newcastle Cup on Friday. Um, he would he he won his group race, and then six days later he was in the heats of the Newcastle Cup. There's no way that Wagga trainer would have um, trialed at Newcastle. So that was his first look there the other day. Yep. Um, Stagger out Lee. That's it. Yep. Um, he wouldn't have track. That dog will improve four or five lengths his next start there. It's it knows the tracks. It's seen it at least. It's, it's understanding the actual greyhound itself. Yep. It's like us as humans, um, if we haven't been somewhere before, we're always a bit, more, bit nervous. What's this new place? Um, what's all these shining lights? And, like, especially in Newcastle and Sydney and stuff like that, where you've got Wentworth Park. Um, and they always say it takes two or three starts before your dog will actually go any good at winning because the boxes are different, different timings and stuff like that. Yep. I've seen many quick dogs run locally or at other tracks and they go to Wenny and they bomb the start. Yep. These dogs are foolproof elsewhere, but Wenny is just one of those difficult tracks where your dog generally needs a couple of looks before it wins a race there. Yep. Um, so has it been to the track? Trainer is definitely a good thing. Trainer strike rates. Um, like some trainers only have quick dogs. Um, they don't train quick slow dogs. Yep. Um, like the benchmark of those kennels is incredibly high. Um, your Sultanas, your Lords, your Lagosianis around here. Yep. You know they have quick dogs. Yep. If you ever see their dogs run around at 12, 13 to 1, or 5 to 1, or 6 to 1, <laughs> it's pretty safe to have something on it because that dog's going to be competitive. Um, it may be a little bit out of form, but hey, those guys don't have slow dogs yeah. slow dogs get filtered out to other people and stuff like that like getting involved again we're going around in circles here 
Um, but, for example, you could buy ex-wheeler dogs, so your bale dogs, where the trainers moved them on, they may have had 50 or 60 stars, but you can still have fun with them. Yep. There's a few Ashton dogs too I've seen, like Ashton Grey and Sales has their own page now, and you can pick up a, a good Ashton dog in that too. You can. Um, big breeders will sell their slower-off dogs, um, mainly for two reasons. They're getting on. Uh, if they sell the dog, then it's someone else's problem to rehome them later. Let's be honest, that's what they're doing. Um, but you can get some good dogs. Like us as a group, we've got a dog called Jagora Bale. Um, she's having a 104 start. She struggles to run any more than 400 metres, but I think she's won 11 races for us. 11 from 40 races. She's got an insane record adapto. Yep. And that was a dog I think we bought for two and a half, three and a half grand. Yep. She's won like three times what we bought her for and the guys involved are, hey, let's continue this on. Let's breed from her. Yep. Um, she, she'll never race over 500 metres. She's in the lunatic. Yep. Um, but this is a greyhound where after the race, she literally walks herself. You actually put a collar and lead and put it in her mouth and she'll walk herself around the backyard. <laughs> like, she's like the perfect dog. You take her to the track and then she becomes an absolute nutbag. Yep. <laughs> um, but she's so calm. Like, Jake, the trainer, who's got her? Um, like, his son, Moose, like, at two, two and a half, walks the dog around the backyard. I'm like, holy crap, like, She's a lunatic every time I see her. How is she so calm? Yeah. Um, as long as no one plays a lure noise in the backyard, <laughs> Moose is perfectly safe. Yeah, yeah. Um, finding a winner, definitely trainers, definitely helps. Yep. Box draws, see where they've won from. Yeah. If they have a record of winning from box eight, hey, it's worth a gamble. Yeah. If their record's one placing from eight starts from box one, and they've drawn the red again, Probably not going to go well, and that's giving you a telltale sign that they want to get off the track or they don't like to be crowded. Yep, yep. Um, is there <sighs> is there a particular um, piece of form, um, you know, whether it's online or something, or guides or you know, video replays or something? You know, is there is it? Do you have a preferential um, source of information that you go to, like for all the stuff that you just said? Um, well, a lot of things make do keep my own data. Um, I do go okay on the punt. Can't say I'm the greatest punter, but I didn't win $140,000 on my own dog, so... <laughs> um, like, the old, um, the dog's website. Um, it has all the splits there. First splits, box draw history, I think it's great. For the average punter or someone's going to the track, hey, it's, it's useful. Yeah. Um, dogs are a creature habit, much like us. If like if you're going to run in a straight line, some people run straight, some will run crooked, and like it's hard to win. Like it's a game of luck. Box draws is definitely a factor. Um, the trainer, early race to late race. Some dogs get really nervous in the kennel block, so a late race yep. isn't great for them. Yep. Um, some dogs are nervous. They've got a bucket of water in the um, kennel. They'll, they'll drink and drink and drink water till, like, they fill them up with water. Like, um, and that's not a trainer doing it. It's just a welfare issue where water's got to be in the kennel block for the dog to drink, which is fair enough. Yep. Um, early race, late race, trainer, 
box draw. Is it set? Is it fit? Is the trainer just working it up in fitness? Um, like, there's ultimate gain goals for a lot of dogs or they'll target a particular race or a particular series or and the trainer will map out where he wants his dog to be and where he's going to travel and like it's everyone thinks it's simple and easy to find a winner in dogs or that such and such trainers fitter than meat pie or something like that <laughs> trust me it's a myth you yeah. wouldn't do it you, you would not go out of your way to slow a dog down no no you can't bet against your dog to lose um, so why would they try to make them lose? Your dog might be outgraded. It might be able to run the time of the other dogs in that race. Yeah. We give them meat pies, but after the race. <laughs> oh, I like sausage. <laughs> I, I literally, um, the night of the Nationals at Winnie, um, the ice cream man at the exit is the nicest man in the world. And trainers were leaving the place. And I'm like, can I feed you a hand of ice cream? I'm like, no, 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 you can't, but I'll, I'll feed it. Yeah, that's fine. So we went and bought $100 worth of ice creams and just fed <laughs> ice creams to the dogs. Um, we got over it after about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, there was a, we still had a bit of credit. I'm pretty sure Mr. Whippy just drove off with our credit, but he was given directions to, hey, Give the dogs some ice cream. I don't care if a kid will play. Do the same. Yeah. Um, like, you see, like, a dog wins a race. It gets an ice cream Macca's and a soft serve. Yep. Um, yep. Or a cheeseburger. Or I know certain trainers who buy donuts. Um, <laughs> strawberry donuts and feel guilty that they're going to eat it, so they give it to the dog instead. <laughs> um, Oh, like, absolutely. Or Napoleon Dynamo, the dog I said when we changed trainer. Um, it's first win. I'm in Newcastle. The dog's in Western Australia. Trained with Pete Brown. Um, and I still have the video of we Uber Eats, like $60 worth of um, cheeseburgers and burgers <laughs> and ice creams <laughs> to him. Um, we're loose. We, we do silly things, but it's all for a laugh. And But I like, love seeing those videos. Like, you see people after their dogs have won, they're giving them a... Happy Meal or an ice cream, like you said, or, you know, something. It's just the funniest thing ever. I love it. Like, you see the dogs, they get brain freeze. Like, some just gnaw it in one bite. Other people are so, others are so gentle. And, <laughs> like, they're licking it and they just freeze for a couple of seconds. Like, why? <laughs> like, they're the oddest creature. They're the oddest pet. And that's why they're perfect pets. Yep. Yep. Um, like, today they announced to the police 2,300, op- optioned them up to 2,300 people or 23,000 people to yep. have brands as pet as ex-police. I think it's great. Like yep. 100%. People getting involved in the sport need to think, what are we going to do with that dog once it's finished racing? Yep. Um, like, RCI is the name of the group that we have, um... I do. I couldn't. I couldn't put a figure on how many thousands of dollars we've donated to private rehomers. Um, money we've donated the gap. Money we've raised to donate to things. And hey, there's, there's rehomers out there, but you really need to plan from pup to retirement. Yeah. Which of the group is going to have it as a pet? Yep. Um, like for people starting out, and I know we've on loops and 
all around here. But you just need to plan for it. Yep. Um, don't just dump it on the trainer once it's finished racing and think and just forget about it. Yep, that's right. I, I, I know of local trainers that I'm trying to help out now where I'm going out to his place and taking photos of every single retired dog he's got in his property. He's got 35, 40 kennels, and he's got 15 retired dogs there from uh, two-year-old to, I think his oldest is about 11-year-old. Yep. Um, I, like, I always ask the question, why? Well, the owner didn't come back for him, and it's not the dog's fault. No, that's right. So he'll go out and pat them. He'll feed, he feeds them every day. Like, they've been abandoned, and, uh, like... He just said, oh, that's just part of being a trainer. We'll keep the dogs and, like, they're going through Gap and all the wait lists, but the wait lists are huge. Yeah, and I say that to people too. I say, listen, when you, if you do decide to buy a dog, make sure you're either going to keep it yourself or, like you said, you put some, some sort of arrangement in place because I said, as soon, the day they finish retiring, Gap, you're not going to put them into Gap straight away. I said the waiting lists are months and months long. I said you need a plan B. Well, it is. Like, if your intention is, hey, we don't have a house to keep it for now, but that's that's a pretty soft excuse because greyhounds don't need big yards. They can be in an apartment. They're in a very adaptable dog. Yes. Um, they're retired dogs. They're not rescued. They've never been in danger. They're not going to be aggressive. Um, like, your primary homers out there will say, hey, rescue, they're in such a horrible condition and stuff like that. Um, a friend of mine who has a pup, a Tommy Shelby pup actually, um, four months old, um, the pup swallowed a rock at four months of age. And um, before we'd done this interview, he sent me a picture of the vet bill of $4,000. Oh, God. Because um, the dog swallowed... A rock. Yep. And it got stuck. Yep. Um, yeah, sorry, Alpha, saying that out loud, but um, I know it's a touchy subject if you're listening. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like it's falling a rock. Like, if you're uh, like the average person with a dog, like, full green's a lot to come up with. Yeah, um, that's and straight away, he's like, oh, well, it is what it is. Um,. Like, you need to, like, if you're going to get involved in a pup, you need to budget for this. Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe not to the extreme of having $4,000 just sitting there just in case your stupid <laughs> dog eats a freaking rock. <laughs> but I don't mean that. They're lovely. No, pups. but these things can happen. They can get involved in an altercation. They can run into a fence. Like, you know, yeah, anything like that can happen. And when people say to me, oh, you know, how much is it going to cost me? I said, look, you, I said, I can only give you a very, very broad ballpark figure. And when I say ballpark figure to them, I may say between 15000 to 25000 or something along those lines because I said, you don't know what's going to happen. I said, yeah. I said, you just don't know. Like we budget from ownership of the pup about 12 to 13 grand to get that pup to the track. Yep. Um, and that is rising. Everything's getting dearer. Yeah. Where, like the stages, if nobody knows, to from the pup stage, you buy a pup at three months of age. From there, it gets reared, professional rearers for the next 12 to 15 months. 
they're going to charge you anywhere from $70 a week to $120 a week. Yep. Dear ones, better quality. Some you get good deals. Some are just, they've had so many good dogs go through their yards that they can demand bigger fees. But that is, it's a stage of that pup's development. Yep. Um, $70 a week. So 280 bucks a month, 15 months. There's four green in rearing. Um, the pup's now 14, 15 months old, maybe 16 months. Um, then it goes to the breaking stage. That's 150, $200 a week for five to eight weeks. Yep. So quickly, that's another $2,000. So that's six grand there. The pup has a few weeks off to recover from breaking because it's hard on them. It is. That pup's just run around a yard for the last 15 months and now it's jumped out of the box and used muscles it's never used before. Yep. Um, so another two or 300 bucks in break, providing there's no small niggly injuries to overcome. Um, from there, it goes to a training, pre-train, start seeing the track and pre-training costs $150, $200 a week. Yep. Very quickly, there's 10 grand without any single little hiccup along the way. Yep. Um, vaccinations, transport between those places. Um, like, it, it's cost you fifteen dollars, fifteen. Yeah, oh, we should have fifteen bucks, fifteen <laughs> grand to get to the track. Yep. yep. Um, like, it's a, it's a big investment, pups, um, for people for their first time, first start. Um, I always tell people, buy an established dog, buy one, buy one for five, six grand, spend 10 grand. Yep. If you're going to buy a pup, it's going to cost you 10 grand, 15 grand anyway. Yep. At least you can see it running week in, week out. Hey, I love this sport, or it's great, or hey, maybe it's not for me. Yep. Yep. Um, I always tell people the first time, don't buy a pup. Yep. Because if it doesn't make the track, it's a shit feeling. It's horrible, but hey, you can take him home, you can sit on your couch and be your best friend for the rest of your life. Yep. And And he's like, like. I see so many people too who buy pups and like you said if they you know I think they think they buy a pup and it's going to turn out to be Ashton Rupee or where well, she's fast or something then when it doesn't they go oh this sucks I've just waited two years and you know can't win a race and I say well that's you know that's the gamble of it that's why I, tr- I try and explain to people I said look I'm not uh, I want to get people involved as much as the next person but I, I said I'm just trying to be a realist with you and explain to you that you know, I think people just think you, you know, you buy a pup and, you know, 12 months later you rock up to the track and race and happy days. I said, it's such a process. And I said, like you just said, if there's little hiccups along the way, I said, that'll set you back. And then your pup, you know, might be two or three months behind or, you know, or may never make the track or, you know, have to be retired or something like that. And yeah, I think, um, yeah, and I've seen a lot of people who who buy a pup, like they'll spend big money up front to buy a well-bred pup, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, Good, you know, good on them if they've got the money to do it. They get halfway through rearing and go, shit, I, I can't afford this pup anymore, I have to sell it. And I said, well, that's why you need to budget for these things up front. I said, you've spent your whole budget on the pup up front, you know, not taking into account, you know, possibly that rearing fees could go up, um, like you said, because everything is going up naturally. And then they have to sell it, and then they're back to square one. So, yeah, I think you really got to do your, yeah, you got to do your your figures. And when that pup's four months old, and you say, "Hey, I can't afford this anymore, and I want to sell it," you're not going to get eight or nine thousand dollars you spend in rearing and all those fees back. No, you're not going to get the fifteen thousand dollars you bought the pup for. Yep. Um, because if you've stuck it out that long, 
most times anyone smart is going to think, hey, there's something wrong with that pup. Yep. Because yep. why would you go 80% of the way there? Yep. And by saying, hey, you don't have enough money, uh, it, yeah, nobody's going to believe you when you tell that story. No, that's right. Um, you mentioned the Ashton Rupees, where she's fast. Um, Ashton Rupee, Ray Border, he spends... I'd hate to see what he spends on the sport. Um, well, when, he told me, <laughs> when he told me he's got a spreadsheet with 1,200 dogs in it, I nearly fell over. <laughs> like, like, I don't know how long the Aston Prefix has been around for. I'm going to say 10, 15 years. But you look at the Wheeler dynasty, from Paul to his son Brendan and his partner Nicole and what they do now and Jan and... Yep. Like, they've been doing this for... 60, 70 years, like, it's very much a generational thing. Yep, yep. Um, how much they've spent on how many dogs they've got in the industry. Um, or even just their breeding. Like, the legacy of Paul Weller is going to live on for a very long time through Barsha Balfe and Indo Balfe because every second pup's by them now. Yep, yep. Um, like, people breed. Like, Ray Border, he deserves every bit of success he gets because... He put some money in the sport. Um, wow, she's fast. The breeder of that, Greg's, Greg's Brod. Um, so many top dogs he bred. Um, he sells some pups. Yep. Uh, much like he sold She's a Pearl. Yep. Um, that guy with the $4,000 pup that swallowed the rock. Um, he sent me this thing once where he got an email from Greg's Brod said, hey, which pup do you want? Which what litters do you have available? And she had basically the Wow well, She's Fast litter, She's a Pearl litter. It was a star in pretty much every one of those litters, and he had a choice of two pups out of three litters. He was buying two pups out of each. Of the three of about the eight litters, five of those litters were champion. Like, there was at least one champion out of three litters he bought into, as unlucky as he is. Yep. He got the duds, which is something I rub into him all the time. <laughs> um, like immaculate bred pups. Like these are pups that don't get put online and they are pre-sold yeah. at insemination time where people are that anticipated by the mum being a champion over yep. at Fernando Bale or a Barsha or an Aston DB. Yep. Those pups don't hit the market. No. Pups are pre-sold. I think Greg is, um, you know, and obviously I know he doesn't do media or anything like that, but, you know, he'd have to be, you know, one of the most, I think, underrated figures in our sport. Um, and, and, you know, I understand a lot of people don't know about him because he doesn't do a lot of media stuff, but I say to people all the time, you know, look up the litters that he's bred because I said pretty much every one of them has got, you know, one or two or three absolute gems in them and it's not until you start doing the research you know and, and david brash will attest to this look at what has worked for them like these are the guys that are breeding like and same with ray these are the guys that are breeding these phenomenal dogs because they they know what works so i said if there's any better guide for you if you're looking to breed or buy or whatever Look at these guys because I said it's not a fluke. They just breed champion after champion after champion. And I said it's just, you know, I said there's your, you know, there's your how-to guide on, on how to buy a pup or how to breed or whatever. I said, yeah, look, you can make it guesswork and get lucky or whatever. But I said if you've got absolutely no idea and you're brand new to the sport, I said look up those guys and girls and look what they've done. And I said, and there's your template. 
like it yep. you know it's that it's that sim like it's not simple but for me explaining it to someone i'm like it's that simple they're like what do you mean i said just look up what they've bred i said something about sports greatest ever dogs and stud dogs and brood bitches you know the hallinans are another example i said mm-hmm. that you know look at them <laughs> But just look at them. Generations, <laughs> like this freak after freak. There's yeah. generations of them, yep. like uh, Marty Helen and even to his son Camo now. Like it is a family affair which goes through the family. Like Camo is just involved as his old man, so I've been told. Yep. Um, like Paul Wheeler, um, his family's all involved. His grandkids are now involved, and like families get behind it. Um, you've got in. Western Australia, you've got the Robartsons, and then you've got Jodie, the daughter, who's taking over and yep. who has Swaddle. Yep. Um, the amazing work she does with promoting the sport. Um, they rear and bred the the dog for, they ran this promotion to get involved in the sport where Chase a Dream, Chase where a dream. 10 people yep. won a 10% share in a pup. Yep. But actively. Even though the dogs are injured, she's regularly posting photos and videos of how that dog's going and keeping those people involved. Yep, she's got a group um, and everything like that, and yeah, that's no, great. It's really. I remember chatting to Peter O'Neill the night our dream girl won, which is their syndicate dog. He's like the place went nuts. Like everyone in the whole place wanted that dog to win. I wish people would just want my dogs to win when I'm in races, but <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you know what? I will, I will just make another point about the breeding side of it. I said what what I what I love, and, you know, these, these guys and girls are obviously in a position to do this. I really love the risks that Ray and the Hallinans and the Wheelers and everybody takes with new stud dogs or stud dogs overseas. They're not afraid to use them. And I said you can see if a stud dog works with one of their lines – you know the stud dog's going to work. So I said they're taking the risk on your behalf using these stud dogs as soon as they hit the market because I know some people have said, oh, why have they used such and such? And I said, just watch. I said, if it, if it works, I said, there you go. You know the stud dog's, you know, got potential and you'll, you'll know what stud dog's going to work with what bitch and if you've got a bitch of that similar calibre, you can go to that stud dog. But I said I love the way that they take risk and they're not afraid to use a new stud dog straight away as soon as they hit the market with their good bitches like with their top line brood bitches they go straight to these brand new stud dogs every time i see it i sort of you know give them a round of applause i just love it i just love how you know no hesitation straight in it just yeah gets me excited anyway sorry that's just that's just well, you looked at it, like, for example there <laughs> exactly right like zipping guff freak on the track fifth leg shut his fist up shut his leg horribly so what did Martin Helen and the family do? Literally put his best brood bitches to his unproven sire. They'd only yep. had five starts, but yep. broke in quicker than anything. Like, literally, uh, someone said it even broke the mainland track record at a second start or something. It's like, like to do that, like an inexperienced dog, it's second ever run seeing a track and it broke a track record. Um... Like the dog was going to be a freak, and then Shadow's oh, Hawk. He would have been anything, that dog, yeah. yeah. Um, but you see it so many times. Um, but, as you said, they take the risk. They take the gamble for you. Um, like, Ashton Rupee, like Ray's phone wouldn't stop ringing. Um, so I was on ice. Their phones wouldn't ring on people wanting stud dogs or 
Hooked on Scotch. What a um, phenomenal response. Like, I knew he'd be popular, but you've only got to look at the fast track data, which I know obviously wouldn't be reflective of every single straw that Ray has sold, but the response that dog has had at start, every day when I get on there and have a look, it's just blown my mind. I cannot believe how popular he's been. It's unreal. It's, yeah. Like hooked on scotch, you just have to look at him, rejuvenate, and the other dog he actually got into the final, like to run 29 and 44 at the Meadows. It's his second race start around that track. Yep. Like you can trial and trial as much as you want, but to run 29 40 at Meadows, like that's a length and a half outside Alan D's track record. Yep. And this dog's 25 months old, like. Um, I know the slot holders are all used, but, gee, they'd be ringing that trainer up straight away and saying, hey, um, yeah, I would be getting that dog involved. And, like, it might be yet too young, but we're actually fast on the Phoenix start four, wasn't it? Start four or five? Uh, yeah, uh, something like that, yep. It was something, if you run 29-2 or your first ever made the start, it's, like, you nailed it on the head. The dog, wow, she's fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Aptly named. <laughs> like, like, it's just phenomenal. Like, that's a maiden. Like, I'd be happy with a dog at, at its second or third start broke 30 seconds at seeing down. Yeah. Um, I'd just be happy for a dog to run its hand down, <laughs> to be honest. But like, the, the number of youngsters, like young dogs, like, especially at Sandown and, and the Meadows, it seems to be pretty prominent there. The, the number of, like, maidens or ones that have just broke their maiden that come out and run something ridiculous, like 29-1 or 29-2, seems to be pretty prominent these days. Like, I, I see one pop up sort of every now and then. You go, holy smokes, like, that just run that at Sandown at second or third start or in its maiden or whatever. And, you know, I think Emron Boyd did something similar when he first started. And, yeah, it's just seems to be happening all the time down there now. It is. Um, it's, it's basically just getting in. Like, it's freakish times they're running. Yep. Yep. Um, every week. Um, like, the breeder of Amrong Boy, he's got another litter to them. They're 15 grand each, and it's probably worth it, since now the pups are, at first litters, they're absolutely flying. Yep. You've been listening to the Greyhound Girl Podcasts with Dimity Ma, proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or their website, greyhoundpp.com.au.